0: So, how was, uh, how was your drive here?
1: The drive here, luckily, they flattened the road that leads to my house because I live in, like, in the middle of the jungle, in the 15 region. Okay. Um, 15 region, where's that? It's behind Beleta. Oh, ah, okay. It's between Beleta and the beach. Mm. It's not so developed right now. There's a lot of construction happening, but not that much. Right. Uh, luckily,. There's the direct road, I don't remember the name of the street. Now it's flattened so I can I don't have to do four million turns and to to <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, the roads here, even like leaving La Valletta, there's this huge bumpy road that they never fix. Yeah. And why why is that? Why don't I mean I have no
1: idea, man. I think it's something to do with Aldea Sama and the municipality that says that it's it's a Aldea Sama road. Aldea Sama says it's a municipality road. It's just like...
0: I mean, it's literally just throwing sand rocks on the road. Exactly. It's such a big... I mean, this this is the issue with politics, right? It's like... You want to get something done and no one wants to take action and responsibility to do it exactly. last time they fixed it
1: uh, it was the taxi drivers the taxi drivers the taxi drivers put money i even put money 50 pesos really to to fix that road
0: that'd be good i mean we should have we should do like a little fundraiser to f- <laughs> to uh, fix the road of uh Adele, leaving Adele- Zama. but no i think that Adele Zama makes a lot of money also. They, a factor money. F- yeah, there's a lot of money flowing in here. And I think that, you know, people should, I mean, they should be the ones to fix it. We should do another fundraiser to actually do something meaningful, more meaningful for people.
1: Yeah, like recycling. Right. I, I have a, like, a side project with uh, a friend of mine. She'll be very good for for this podcast. I think you know her, that blonde bikini girl is her. page. Uh, yeah. Paige. She's in
0: Costa Rica in, right now.
1: Yeah, she's in... in She's at the, at the town that I used to live, Santa Teresa.
0: I love Santa Teresa. Great I waves. Yeah, man.
1: Amazing waves, amazing nature, amazing food.
0: It's a little bit tiny. Mm-hmm. The roads there are also so <laughs> bad. The roads there so suck, bad. man. The <laughs> roads there suck. They never fix... Actually, when I was there, what was it? A year and a half ago, yeah, they had kind of fixed the road a bit because um, it was about to turn into high season in November.
1: Yeah, they what they do is just like they use these me- melas you mm-hmm. know like sort of like it's not pub it's like melas that lasts like for a couple of months and then when the heavy rains come the roads are gone it's washed yeah that's something that
0: i, I don't miss about santa <laughs> mean, the dust and the road oh, yeah the dust. yeah because well, when it is dry you had the four wheelers yeah and it's just, and then everything is just super yeah, dusty. Yeah. It's like uh, Burning Man there. <laughs> exactly, man, exactly. Everything is dusty.
1: All the, all the restaurants that are like street, on the street, is covered in
0: dust. Yeah, so you said you're working on a recycling project?
1: Yeah, because for me, it's like kind of incredible that nearby, here at Norita, we are the, the only ones that recycle their waste, you really? Know? So there's a lot of plastic. There's a lot of, like, glass. There's a lot of easy things to recycle, you know, like especially plastic bottles. Especially There's a, there's a ton of plastic bottles on the empty empty plots. That
0: right. Are, yeah, so nothing much. Nothing is there yet. Yeah, I see people, they just kind of just throw the trash there and just leave it on some exactly. random place. And exactly. What is exactly. this doing here? So...
1: We work with the guys from Eucariota. What's that? It's a it's a company that does all the recycling. It's the ones that they put like the big uh, plastic cigarettes on the beach, so everybody can can throw their ciggy butts there. Okay. And oh yeah, I saw that. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, they're all over the beach at the at the archaeological side beach and. It's kind of like a side project and I want to do something, you know, like uh, gather a bunch of volunteers, Mm -hmm. bring them here, uh, do like a brunch session, and then everybody goes to recycle, like to grab and then we bring everything here, we separate it, we clean it, we, and then these guys will come and pick it up. They have their like... um, their plant is uh, at Veleta. I don't remember where but it's in La Valeta.
0: So they have a recycling plant in La Valleta Yeah oh that's true. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's that's huge awesome. it's huge That's awesome yeah I think the hardest part for people is knowing how to recycle because there's so many different kinds of plastic and then even the plastic bottles or material themselves they they're not all the same material. So you may have like the plastic container yeah. but then the, the top. Yeah, it's just different plastic. You have to separate that also. Yeah. The ring around the ring around is different. Then the wrapping. The wrapping is different.
1: <laughs> the usually the, the most like I I'm like uh most difficult part to recycle is the, the wrapping.
0: The wrapping, okay. Yeah.
1: The wrapping is like no way to recycle. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why is that? Is that the material it's or the, the, the ink material, yeah. It's yeah, the material tells- the ink
1: and it's all like um, thin that it's already like almost no reuse okay know? with the plastic bottles it's like seven different plastic I think here in Mexico <laughs> right. it's five they use five different plastics you know at the bottom when you see like this recycled circle and then you have a number inside right that's, that's uh. the type of plastic
0: yeah, I was listening to this one guy in India and he was saying that if we all just made one type of good plastic instead of making all of these different kinds, that it would be so much easier to recycle. Because yeah. that's the issue with recycling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the, and the other thing is like cleaning the plastic. Cleaning. Then. Oh, yeah. It's like
1: you have to use a bunch of water to, to clean the plastic, to send them over. There in Santa Teresa, there's these big, there's two companies one is called water keepers uh, that they they measure like the the, the contamination in rivers and, mm. and things like that and then it's this other company that is huge worldwide it's called Vionic and basically they sell all the plastic to the states to brands like Nike Adidas and things like that that nowadays they're doing a lot of things with the recycling plastic Reu-
0: yeah reusing the plastic i also heard that uh, that the united states uh, for example their trash they used to sell it to china yeah. and china's like no nah, nah, we're not taking your trash anymore and then they went to uh, the philippines or some other asian country and then eventually they were like no we're not taking your trash because we don't separate it we don't do it properly yeah. it's so much it's so bad the way that you they just throw everything together and expect someone else to just exactly handle it and i think the issue is this is being able to have something as cheap as plastic a material but that's also biodegradable or compostable and i don't i don't know what that is yet what the solution for that is um well nowadays there's there's a ton of different uh like
1: biodegradable plastics that are there on the tryout like with hemp or um avocado the avocado seed right yes and many many different things but they are all in the triad and they are quite expensive to make that's the issue they're super expensive to make because now it's like a small super small industry that is starting up so
0: right and the issue with plastic is that the reason it's so cheap is because it's a byproduct of the oil they use the oil from and they can just make plastic out of that super cheap so they're already making their money off gas and and petrol and jet fuel and then they just use yeah yeah it's just that doesn't really cost anything exactly it's like the waste you know they
1: they use like the waste from the oil and things like that to to make bottles that
0: so your project so you want to have people come and go out and talk about recycling and learn about and then go and pick up trash and then come back, clean it, sort it, and then take it to the place, where would you go? Is it the beach or in town? No, it's in town, it's this place in La Veleta. Uh, First
1: I wanna start with
0: with my surrounding,
1: you know? Right. I think that one of the big problems of humanity is that we forgot our surrounding. We forgot how to interact mm. with our surrounding. So it's like the, the typical phrase like, when you wanna change something, start at your house, you know? So here in my house, Norita, we're already doing it, which I'm very proud of it, cause I don't think many restaurants here in Aldea Sama do it. Okay. Um, and then we wanna expand and like, a good type of like plague, you know, expansion, and how do you say, um, like teaching our neighbors, There's a a ton of condos and big apartments that they they are owned by the same administration. So it's just like teach them how to teach their um, renters how to recycle. And then it's just picking up, you know, there's no big deal. It's such as, so easy as like two, three, four, five times a week, these guys comes and they just pick it up from your house, no charge
0: right yeah Yeah. I think it's also it's a matter of uh, educating people but in a way where it's not in your face and making it convenient where you don't even have to think about it whereas where when you're getting a plastic bag you don't think about it and you just get it and you throw it away but if you had an option where it was something more sustainable where it was super convenient and affordable same price it would just be a lot a lot easier and I also think yeah, a big part of it is just it's how to educate people without also judging and being in your face because a lot of people don't want to be told what to do, right?
1: Yeah, but what what I think, Kai, is like many of the people here that live here are from the States, you know? They and should know better. They, they were kind of like raised with that mentality of like uh, recycling. I have many, many friends that they know how to separate their trash, you know? And it's like, four categories you have organic you have plastic you have uh, aluminum and then you have glass right and then paper It's just like that man have like five different cans or five different plastic bags where you gather it and then once a week they take it yeah all right, all right, yeah
0: sounds simple enough
1: <laughs> it's super simple and i don't know
0: i hope to to get it done by the end of this year Oh, cool. All right, well, yeah. Wha- so where, where are you from originally? How did, how did you, uh, you're from Argentina? I'm from Argentina. I was born and raised in Buenos Aires, in the capital. And
1: I've been, I always joke around and I say that I was born in a cook, you know. Born in a what? A cook. Born a cook, okay. I was born a cook. Because I come from a very large family of uh, women. Okay. I'm the only boy, I'm the youngest boy, and I was always in the kitchen, basically, man. Oh, I yeah. was always in the kitchen. My grandmother used to be like a kitchen goddess, and my gran- and my mom, too, cooks very, very nice, and my older sister, too, and then all my aunties and step-grandmothers and, and things like that, they they all cook, you know? and Because I was like the young boy my sisters are a little bit older than me, five and seven years. So I was kind of like playing around like, okay, come here and help me do some gnocchi or pasta or whatever. So, and I ended up having like the the feeling to
0: cook when I was super young. Yeah. 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 I mean, you grew up a lo- around a lot of uh, feminine energy. Yeah. And probably made you in touch a lot with your uh, emotional side and your artistic side. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um half
1: of my family is italian like italian descendancy so like for you know like for italians like it's everything is about food right yeah everything it's like, about food getting together every saturday every sunday like in a big table and eating a bunch of food man
0: i i love watching italians eat food like as a as a as a group as a family as a, yeah. as friends going out to eat they're so expressive with how they. they. It's just like, hey, ragazzo, or like, and then it's like, touch, it's speaking with your hands, and it's, there's so much movement, yeah. there's so much energy in life. Yeah, we're very on. expressive. You know? Very expressive.
1: Very expressive, and how we express ourselves is also a way how we express ourselves in food. You know, it's like. Because basically, we, everybody needs food to survive. <laughs> <laughs> and when you survive with good food, good ingredients, and with love, because everybody it's like, you have to love your people to cook every Saturday for 20 people. You know? <laughs> it's just like a big deal. It's you a know? lot. Like on your free day as being a housewife or everything, and it's just like cooking pasta for 20 people there's a, that's a bunch of food you know, <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of love that you need to do otherwise you don't do it
0: right yeah and you need to be able to to make it good for every single person it's, it's not just you're you're not just cooking for one individual person or two people and you're making that plate you're making it for 20 people so you have to proportion it properly use the right amount of seasoning and spices for everybody and yeah make
1: sure. you better cook right otherwise <laughs> everybody will hate you hate you, you know <laughs> Uh, for example, my step grandmother, she's she like from Poland, descendancy. So, I'm from the side of my father, is Spanish. <coughs> so, I was in touch with food since a very, since a very young age, and I was super lucky, or I don't know, it was my destiny. Maybe, my dad is a TV producer, and he used to produce a lot of cooking shows. in the 90s in the 80s and he was a very very good friend from one of the best chefs from argentina and when i was when i was a teenager i was a super rebel man i was i i never liked school i never liked to be schooled uh i always had like problems with authority (laughs) super rebel and I didn't knew that I want to be a cook by then. When I was a teenager, I just wanted—I I just knew that I didn't want to go to school. Period. You know, it was super hard for me. My only interest back then was electronic music, mm. like going out on the weekends to dance. Electronic? You mean what, like techno, house? Yeah, techno, progressive, trance. Back in the in, in the in the end of the nineties you know so there was a very big club in Argentina Pasha there where yeah all the big DJs went there and I was very lucky enough to meet the DJs there so I was always going being as me because I was like 13 14 and I was not allowed to to enter the club but I made friends with the manager and I kind of. Went there by myself every Saturday for many, many years. And that was my interest. And um, I was kind of lost until I failed high school for the second time. And I talked to my folks and I said, guys, I don't want to, I, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do this. Send me to night school, something quickly, cheaper, because you guys are spending a fuck ton of money on this. And My mom had this wonderful idea. It's like, talk to your dad, and your dad talked to this guy, this big famous chef that he has one of the best schools in Argentina, culinary school. And I went to talk to this guy that for me, he was like a a role model because I was watching his shows. And instead of like watching the typical I don't know, what teenagers watch in TV. I was watching TV shows, like cooking TV shows. Cooking shows. So I talked to this guy, and he was a very, very good friend of my dad, and that's how I enter into the culinary school, without finishing high
0: school, and I was 16 years old. 16, starting your career as a chef. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that like school is built for some people but it's not built for everybody and if you're not comfortable in that situation if you're not progressing if you're not learning in that kind of environment then you should look for something that you're passionate about exactly exactly and when i started the the
1: culinary school i was like wow yeah this is really my thing you know
0: yeah luckily you had your mom and to like guide you and help you and your dad yeah
1: yeah my dad at the beginning was a little bit like because he's like super straight and he was always supporting me and he paid for for the school but he was like you have to finish high school you have to finish high school otherwise you wouldn't get a job and blah 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 but luckily i started to work also when i was 16 you know Uh, i got called because i was kind of like in the top students and so i was selected uh I was kind of like in the chart of like top students that you know companies call to hire to do big like a trainees you know stages or trainees. And the first uh, they called me. I remember it was like a Friday, and they called me. Oh, you you've been selected to do this event. Whatever it was, a, like a big party, eight thousand people.
0: Wow, eight thousand. That's more than twenty. <laughs> <laughs> eight
1: thousand people and. My my shift was from eight a.m. to twelve, in the in, in in midday, and when when I went there, for me it was completely different from school. You know, it was like a huge event. We were like I don't know seventy or eighty cooks. Uh, many of many of us we were trainees, and then you have like the section, the hot section, the salad section, whatever. And when my shift was about to end, I I talked to was like my, my chef there and it's like I told him, I want to stay man. I don't want to go home. <laughs> I want to stay for me this is amazing He man. loved it yeah And he was like, okay, go and talk to the executive chef. He's over there like he was a, he's a very big famous chef from Argentina, Rodrigo and I went to talk to the guy and I said, dude, I don't want to go." And it's like, well, but you know we have a contract with your school. if you stay, don't get hurt. Don't get cut and don't tell your school. <laughs> and I was like, Done. "Perfect, dude." And I worked for twenty six hours.
0: Twenty six hours.
1: Yeah, I I left the place at ele- uh, ten the next day. Wow! And when I was f- when I was finishing, the guy, the chef, the executive chef, brought me a Heineken beer. I was like, "I want you tomorrow in my restaurant." That's and awesome. I started in his restaurant the next day.
0: That's awesome. So after the twenty six hours, were you tired? Were
1: you? I was, I was exhausted, dead. man. I didn't feel my legs, like my <laughs> my legs, because it was the first time that I was standing up for so long. That you have this crazy tiredness, like energy in your legs. It's like I don't know if it, if you ever swim for a long period mm-hmm. of time. That when you go to bed that night is yeah
0: you know I know what you're saying yeah you know, I used to when I used to when I was a kid I used to run a lot and and play tag and when I get home my legs would just sore and I was exactly like, oh. man and I remember man I was so tired but at
1: the same time I was so happy because it was the first time that I that I fed people sort of you know that I was making people happy with my hands right because basically for me it's like. It's just making people happy with what i do right nourishing yeah. them and eating yummy and making them happy it's about the smiles it's just like of course everybody works for the money but i work for the smiles of people you know like it's just like making them happy for something that they never ate before or and just making them happy yeah, you know? i
0: mean food makes most people happy if if it's good food exactly right people look for that food and when when they see the the, how it's how it's presented how it tastes the environment and and the energy you put into it when you're making it they can people can taste it and it's just totally it's an emotional experience yeah yeah yeah
1: because basically it's, it's what like psychologically you know it's like what I remember when I was a kid you know like getting together with my family and everybody being happy eating Eating good food, right. you know, like yeah, and, and that's what made me very happy. You know, making other people happy,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. Because I mean, you you were super when you when you started when you did your twenty six hours, you were just in the zone, right? You weren't thinking about all oh, my legs hurt or my feet hurt, and you weren't thinking, you were just no. Doing, I was thinking about oh, you were thinking about it, it also, <laughs> really? Okay,
1: yeah. Because I was I was a baby, man. I was a child. I was sixteen, so I was like. Getting all this mixed emotion, I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking tired. I can't move my legs. Because, yeah, right. of course, I wasn't, like, I hadn't, I had, um, what do you mean, how do you say? My shoes weren't properly, you know? Right. I just had, like, a, a, a pair of sneakers, right. Nikes. You didn't have the, the right shoes yeah. for the slipperiness, right? Exactly. For the slipperiness, for, for standing out so so long. Now I can, Yeah. I, I've trained my legs, let's say, you know, <laughs> like... Uh, after many many years, now it's like 20, 21 years since. A legs of steel.
0: Yeah, since that time, man. So tell us about your experience being in a cooking school and the chef school in Argentina. Maybe some people listening want to get into cooking in the culinary arts, and they're curious about what it's like to be in a in a school, and maybe even they're curious about Argentina.
1: Yeah, well, back then, uh, this school was one of the, the top three and it was huge i remember in my class we were like 400 500 people
0: 500 yeah. students yeah yeah okay and in your in just your level or the whole school in my level in your level yeah 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 so how many levels are there
1: there were 3 levels wow so you have like cuz <clears throat> cuz it's a university degree you know so it's like super serious and half half of like the students were there uh, to do like a career and the other half which is like hobby cooks you know like people that they were just bored with their life or they just like really enjoy cooking and they want to train a little bit more so it's kind of like it was very interesting because you have people that they were doing career and you had like Grandmothers, or <laughs> housewife, or guys that loved how to cook, and they wanna learn a little bit more. And I remember, uh, like my group, we were uh, like ten. I was the only one doing a career. All the rest were like guys that just wanna learn how to cook a little bit better. There was this little grandmother that always liked to cook, and she was she was bored about her life, right. and that's how. She did the career. And and the teachers were, luckily by then, even they were super strict because it was, uh, it's French-based uh, school. And it's how you see in the movies about French, French cooks.
0: Yeah. Well, how are French cooks? Crazy. <laughs> crazy motherfuckers. <right? laughs> Why? Why do you say that?
1: No, they're super strict and... Perfectionist too, Perfectionist, right? perfectionist. And uh, it's about like... Discipline, sacrifice. It's just like when you're a chef, you're not a human being. (laughs) You're just this sort of robot machine of perfection. (laughs) And that's what your teachers kind of like pass you through, you know? Okay. And of course, at the beginning for me, it was super hard because I was, I was always a rebel and i got these guys super crazy it's like stand straight don't look at me like don't laugh wow military school something like it's very similar like military school wow very very similar and 21 years ago it was was kind of hard nowadays they're they think a little bit more about the human part
0: right. More a little bit more progressive things. exactly
1: but 21 years ago and because i was the f- the son of the friend of the owner i was kind of like you <laughs> you little <laughs> guy <laughs> you know I, I wasn't the favorite at all oh, they really? they made my life super
0: hard <clears throat> they were like you're not getting any like benefits exactly. just because just you know people that doesn't give you exactly. it's actually ha- going to be harder for you it's, it was like that wow. it was
1: harder it was harder and I was a baby man. I was kind of like the pet of the school. Right. Uh, I even was there illegally, you know, because I didn't finish high school and I went mm. and I was doing university. So, uh, they 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 push me, but at the same time, when they ske- squeeze you like that, they kind of mold you, they form you, right. they prepare you to what is coming, you know, because if you choose this life. You forget about your holidays. You forget about your birthdays. You forget about your love birthdays. You forget about partying out. Yeah, your hours are insane. That's right like, here. I can work. I don't know, fifteen hours a day with just like for me, it's super normal. Right? Wow. It's like the, the chef life. You don't choose the chef life. <laughs> the, the
0: chef lives choose you. you wow. Know? Yeah, and it's super stressful. I mean, you're you're there fifteen hours a day, and and every Every day, every hour you're you're on call, you have to make this amazing meal for people who are expecting something really, really good, but they don't realize how much work and effort it takes to actually make the food and prepare it and, yeah. and be consistent, consistently good also. Yeah, it has to be the same every day. Right. It has to be the same. That,
1: that's the challenge, you know, because if you work alone, it's no problem. But now when, when you're a, a leader, uh, the boss or the chef or whatever you want to call, it's like, you have to trespass or pass that knowledge to your crew, you know, and it's something very difficult to to get. But luckily, I got it here. All my, I'm super proud of my my crew,
0: and yeah. So what were some of the uh, some of the specific things that you learned at your school? What were what kind of food were you cooking? What kind of techniques? <coughs> Well, I, I I've learned the French techniques. Fran- what, what is that what does that mean for it's
1: like the the, the the Nouvelle cuisine, you know, it's like a couple of years ago, a couple of hundred years ago, <laughs> there were these guys that they rev- revolution the whole industry, you know, like on um, how to do their sauces, you know, and like you say, like consistency, you know, like okay, we're gonna do this sauce always like this. We're going to use these ingredients and, and getting like the, the top ingredients everywhere you know like right. uh, it's not so old if you think about it it's like 300 400 years ago oh, you know uh, yeah. It's like before the the colonization of uh america in europe you didn't have potatoes or tomatoes Really? Yeah, yeah. There, there were no potatoes. There were no potatoes. Where do no they tomatoes. come from? From here, from
0: America, man. Oh, my. Yeah. I didn't think about that. They come from, from the Andes. So they were imported from yeah. from America, yeah. and then they ended up growing in there. Exactly. Yeah, because... Oh, wow. That's interesting. So
1: it's basically a lot of, like, what people eat in Europe. It's just kind of, like, newish, you know? So... Because they took the potatoes and a bunch of other ingredients that now I don't remember. Basically, potatoes. You know, like it's
0: potatoes. So French fries, like (laughs) French fries, (laughs) actually come from the Americas. The potatoes,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. The 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 Incas, they they have this whole culture about potatoes. Man, there's like twenty thousand different potatoes. Um, 20,000. Yeah, something like that. I think 10,000 maybe. But still, even even a 1,000 would be like, yeah, whoa, yeah, a 1,000 yeah. different potatoes. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a lot, man. When you go to, to Bolivia or Peru and you see the potato fields, it's just like each family has their own specific right. potatoes. You know? But that's
0: amazing. It's diversity. It's biodiversity yeah. where you don't have one specific monocrop. You have all these different kind of potato yeah. crops that – you know if one if one gets a disease or eventually gets extinct you still have another species another yeah, variety yeah, yeah, so yeah. creates yeah it creates a resistance towards uh disease yeah
1: now in peru there is like the, the 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 seed the bank of the seeds you know where they are protecting the dna of like uh, native ingredients and, and like potatoes or corn or many many other different things like it's the biggest in the world. Where they find different types of and they just like stabilize the the DNA of the plant
0: and so it's there protected in case of like a zombie apocalypse or something. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think about French cooking, I always think about this there's a sauce. They're always making the sauce and making it really flavorful and getting the best ingredients and and super precise.
1: Yeah, basically what the French did de- these guys was just like study the chemistry about many different combinations mm. to say you know and how to cook the meat how to proper cook like different veggies and but basically French food is about butter you know <laughs> everything is about butter and eggs and and cheese it's a quite heavy um a lot of like calories you know and um, 21 years ago i didn't imagine that i would learn vegan cooking or, or, or raw food or things like that because also in argentina like it's all about meat
0: right yeah it's we heavy are, on meat we are heavy culture and meat and poultry and why is that is it because <clears throat> uh, argentinians love
1: meat or no because we have the best grass and we have mm. the best cows it's oh. just like that yeah yeah it's as simple as that man because uh, we have like very flat lands all the pampas so the way the cows grow and are raised it's just like they they are raised and grow like in a very peaceful and not stressed environment you know because mm. they don't have to do much effort to survive it's just like eat grass
0: just eat grass and just hang out and And hang out you know (laughs) they don't
1: have to climb any mountain or go to the river or nothing you know just like walk and that how the the cows are build their muscles let's say theoretically it's just like super chill so that that flavor that the way of how they are raised transmits to the flavor and the quality you know it's like also like the, the the species of cows it's mm. like how they were raised and it's just like also like tradition you know like always there's big 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 uh, like contests of like the best cows and right. the best
0: brands and angus or short tone or whatever what what kind of cows are mostly in Argentina is it is it the ones with the, like the white and black spots or is yeah. It the one with, yeah is that one yeah angus Ang okay that's yeah. angus that's angus yeah. cows okay uh, yeah, it's, I think it's the, it's the
1: typical milk cow that you see on, yeah. on the chocolate bars, <laughs> not violet. Uh, yeah, those. And they were there and they were for many, many years before uh, the colonization came, they were just there, hanging out, being happy, man. Mm.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's a big part of of when you're eating meat, the, the, the how the animal is treated, how the animal is raised translate into, into um how good the meat is exactly yeah for example i think uh, what is it is it in japan what yeah the kobe
1: beef the kobe beef yeah they, they massage they play music to them They just like <laughs> and really it, it it transmits to the flavor it's the energy right it's, yeah it's, it's totally different when you eat kobe beef you is it, is it is it like a religious experience the flavor that that beef has is extraordinary it's like if you're a meat eater it's just like you discover meat for the first time
0: wow yeah yeah I think uh, I think yeah because a lot of people what they eat is they eat a lot of these factory farm animals where they're treated their whole lives like shit and they're stressed yeah they're
1: super stressed they they are born knowing that they're gonna die right uh, <laughs> basically you know they're animals they're not stupid yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're 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 sensitive you know and <clears throat> Something about that Argentina does is like, the way they raise, the way they kill them, the way how to butcher them, you know? in in many, many countries, like the problem is not about the, the cow itself, it's about the butcher, hmm. you know? Why, why? For example, in my first week in the Dominican Republic, I went to see the butcher. Okay. Oh my God, dude. It was, ah, it was disgusting because like I went to the butcher they recommended you know how go you go and see this butcher blah 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 and I went there and he had the cow there and it's like I was like what no fridge no nothing which is there on the floor half the cow no skin and I was like dude when you kill it no a couple of years uh, a couple of hours ago and it was like oh fuck. you know when you kill somebody <laughs> well an animal <laughs> that sounds weird when you kill an animal, like all the stress, all the tension of like the death, it's on the muscular system, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it, it
0: gets tense, up. Yeah. it tenses
1: up. So uh, in the best parts of the war, when they do that, it's just like you have to like cure the meat for a couple of weeks. Oh, So all that tension goes away. Otherwise, you will be eating a bubble gum, you know?
0: Okay. <clears throat> so what does curing mean when you say no it's just
1: like the way you kill the animal it has to be like fast and like instant right and another thing is after the kill is what they call the post-mortem effect it's just where you put the the, the cow or whatever animal for a, a week so the muscles relax and once the muscles are relaxed then you butcher it <clears throat>
0: So, so wait. You're so you're relaxing the animal before you kill it. No, or no. After, after, after you kill, after. and then it's there. The muscles are have been are a little bit stressed, yeah. tense, and then you're curing it. You're relaxing the muscles. Exactly,
1: exactly. The, 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 every muscle has a has a memory, you know. Mm. So you have to pass a little bit of time so that muscle will be relaxed and will be edible, basically.
0: But the, does that have any effect? I mean, if you're having meat sit there for weeks, it's not rotting or going no, bad? No, 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 no.
1: It's like because it's at controlled temperature. Oh, things. it's like
0: in a refrigerator yeah. and an area and yeah. then it's just curing. Yeah. Ah, okay. The, the
1: first couple of days, it's just draining out the blood. Oh, okay. And then it's taking out the skin, and yada, yada.
0: Okay, cool, yeah. All right. And uh, wow, that's super interesting. And what else, what else did you learn in your school?
1: Well, I've learned... about sacrifice and discipline basically and for me because when i started the school a couple of months later i also started to work in restaurants and very busy restaurants you know like 400 covers a day restaurant Mm -hmm. when i was 16 and even i was doing a a, like a stash a trainee I was getting my ass kicked every day, man. Every day. I was just like, I was in charge of like uh, the co- the cold uh, station. So I was in charge of all the salads and then all the preps and things like that. Um, but basically, what the school gave me the techniques. What uh, are some of
0: the techniques? What do you mean when you say techniques?
1: How, how to like cut uh, the, the different names of the cuts that then you expand in all your plates you know like for example when you do a risotto Mm -hmm. the way you cook the the stock you know the way you cut the veggies that
0: you put in the stock has has a purpose you know so you just don't chop up a whole bunch of veggies and throw it in there exactly there's a certain technique a certain way if you want to get a certain flavor Ah, okay It, it's completely different if you put hot
1: water or cold water if you it's like it's it's a universe it's chemistry <laughs> it's alchemy you know right. so to use how to use your knife is <laughs> it's, a, it's a different world man it's it's, it's, it's it's a universe
0: is that why chefs pay a thousand dollars for a knife yeah <laughs> man and you take care of your knives. yeah you know you well, don't you don't borrow them what's the difference between a thousand dollar knife and like a ten dollar knife?
1: Well, basically, when you're working in this, is about protecting yourself. You know, if you use a good knife, uh, it will be, it's like comparing a ninja sword with a crappy sword, you know, okay. like, really, it will be that's... easier for you to do your job, and it will protect your muscles. Mm. If you use a crappy knife all day for a couple of years, it will start fucking your your junctions right. and your muscles and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like a, like a samurai sword. It's well-balanced, it's a certain type of metal. It's yeah. It cuts really well. And yeah, yeah. And there's, like,
1: yeah. There are some chefs that use the same knife for everything, and there are some chefs that they have their own knife for veggies, their own knife for this, their own knife for that. <laughs> for, for a couple of years, I was like that. You know, I, I had my my vegetarian knife my virgin knife that it was only for veggies. Then I had my, my knife for chicken. Mm-hmm. Then I had my knife for meat or for fish or for fruits. Wow. And now I'm kind of like a little bit more relaxed.
0: Right? Yeah, because I mean you have, you've gotten the technique down, you perfected certain techniques and you know what feels right for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have my knife. My, my oldest knife,
1: I think it has 18 years.
0: Eighteen years. Yeah. Eighteen years with the same knife. Yeah. And you haven't lost it. No. Amazing. And you've traveled all over the world with it. All over the world. Already ten countries with that baby. How what is it like being in an airport with a knife?
1: No, it's just you're just sending on the on the on the back.
0: Oh the check-in. Yeah. Like you check in the luggage yeah, yeah. there, so it's not like a carry on thing. I so never
1: like. had a problem with my knife. Yeah, yeah. One time in in one time I had like this uh, questionnaire in Chile. Uh, but I, I was a resident of Chile. I had my, my, my job permits. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm a chef. Because, <laughs> like, for example, when I came here, my, my knife uh, bag, it's, uh, it was 11 kilos. Okay. 11 That's kilos of knives.
0: 11 Of knives yeah. only?
1: Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Because I have my fish knife, my potato knife, my whatever <laughs> knife.
0: What what uh? What's the difference between these knives? Like a like a, a fish knife, a chicken knife, a vegetable knife.
1: Well, the flexibility, the the, the weight, their balance, the blade, the, the the how you call this? The the I forgot this word. el agarre. The grip. The grip. The grip, and um, it's totally different, man. Like yeah. I have my knife for onions. <laughs> An onion knife. That's yeah. awesome. Cause it's like the fastest one, the thin one. And for example, when you use the onion for a risotto, it has to be the same size. When you cut the onion, it has to be the same size as the as the grain of rice.
0: Mm, mm, so it's basically
1: that's... you have to be a freak,
0: <laughs> super <laughs> precise.
1: Yeah. And it's train, training, man. It's training. It's just like after many, many years, you are just trained. Yeah. It's like I told you, you are not a human. You're a, <laughs> you're a you're well a machine. Old machine. You're a machine, man. And when when you are in service, sometimes I I try to, like, pass through that knowledge to to my my cooks, my crew, is that especially with with the youngest, it, that they have some some issues you know to understand you know because i had the same issues you know like hey but i don't want to stay so late i want to go party tomorrow it's like no dude you have to cook tomorrow. <laughs> you have to be here and you have to do an impeccable service
0: and feed 400 people and you need to be mentally here mentally present if you're out partying and you come and you're you're hungover and you know you can, you can hurt yourself yeah. or yeah exactly M- many of the accidents
1: that happen in a kitchen is because you're tired you're out of balance you're stressed and you like you said you're not present you're thinking about something else <laughs> that f- for being a cook uh, is quite challenging because you have to think four million things at the same time mm. and you have to think in advance a lot of things you know because when you have like for example you have the, the restaurant is full and you're cooking for everybody at the same time yeah and
0: it's different meals it's different certain foods require a different amount of time yeah
1: yeah for example just you try i think you try the risotto for just for that risotto Use i use three different fires
0: Three different fires: yeah,
1: one for the risotto, one for the stoke, and one for the sauce that comes on top. And then I use the oven for the for the toast, and then the decoration and garnishes. That's just one dish. And <laughs> then you have some other dishes that you use four fires at the same time. Wow! You use the flat top, and it's like so. It's kind of like you're you have to be super organized, and you have to have a very trained internal clock. Mm, definitely important because everything has to be hot everything has to be cooked perfectly at the same time and also you are with a team so you have to communicate it's very important Your, your communication skills you know it's It's one of the most important things in the kitchen. Yeah, definitely working with other chefs. You have to talk. Even you know how how long it's going to take for him to do this. You have to talk all the time. I'm two minutes behind. I'm one minute to this. So if you don't have good communication skills, find another job. Things are going to get burnt. Things are going to not turn out the way. Because it's part of a team. You're like a clock, man. And if one of the... How you call gears. it? If one of the gears
0: is not well oiled enough,
1: yeah, all I'm the all the all the other shit is gonna
0: collapse. Yeah, yeah, or not operating at the same speed to exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it true the saying uh, "too many cooks"? Uh, you ever heard that saying? It's uh, "too many cooks in the kitchen" or something like that, where they they say because you have all these cooks and every every cook is kind of like uh, ego. You have your ego where you know I want it this way and or I want it. I want to do it this way. Have you ever had that? Yeah,
1: all my life. The thing like that is like, to be a chef is not just being a chef. It's like, you have to be a father, you have to be a brother, you have to be a sister, you have to be the boss, you have to be a leader, you have to be a friend. You have to be all those things at once. And apart from that, you have to be an amazing chef. You have to be an amazing cook. You have to be the
0: best to show them how things are done. Right, and you, don't have to ha- you also have to be a scientist and uh, an artist, and you need to know your ingredients and what works well, the chemistry, as you said, uh, what's what's operating well and efficiently. So if, if you don't have that that knowledge, yeah. that pre-knowledge of what foods go together, what foods work together in balance, then- um, Exactly.
1: Yeah. My problem there, solved.
0: Solved. <laughs> and expect also you need to expect things are sometimes are not going to work out and yeah to... but
1: w- were you speaking about ego it's like because it's a very stressed environment so all all things are there you know it's not the same as working in an office where you are in your cabinet for eight hours and then you go home you send you just send emails and shit no you're there working all together as a teamwork and for example has being like your team has to understand that you are the chef, you are the boss, right, whatever chef you know, so it's just like it's your recipe, it's your hard work, but sometimes, even for for a chef, you know I have this this way of saying that sometimes i don't I don't care about the equation, you have m- many different equations to get to the same result, mm. you know,
0: like one plus. Three equals four or two plus two equals four. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So to get to this certain recipe, you have many many different equations on how to get it. Usually the chef finds the best equation, the most quick, the quickest way to get to that most result. Most efficient, I would the say. The most efficient, the most cheap, or the the, the one that that has the less amount of hard work you know because even even there man you have to know how to move yourself in order to spend the less amount of energy right because in in a in a macro scale energy transmit into men hours you know right and that in very summingly up you know it's just like it's all it's money you mm-hmm. know you are you have eight hours to do all this and mm-hmm. if you didn't did it in those eight hours you have to do it tomorrow right and all your team is gonna just like collapsing you know the pyramid of organization is gonna collapse so Since- it's just like you have to find a way to do it the most efficient way the quickest way and to not use the to, and to use the less amount of energy
0: possible. In the correct way. So that you have less, you're using less energy for that, but you can use that energy on something more creative exactly. and something better. Exactly. Where you're not wasting time. Exactly.
1: Many, many of the shores inside the kitchen are, are super boring, honestly. Like, okay, let's do, I don't know, gnocchi. And you have to boil 10 kilos of potatoes and you have to be, it's like right. super monotonous for a couple of hours and you have to do this and that for many, many hours and just like, so you have to find a way to do it in the less amount of time and have fun while doing it or and not instead of two hours, you will do it in four hours and you will be bored and you will be tired. And like we spoke before, like the energy that you transmit into that, whatever you're doing, like oh my god i'm
0: so bored this (laughs) fucking gnocchi whatever right right Is that stuff that you pass on to other people yeah yeah so you have them do that and that's your grunt work that's you have to do that you have to do that first before you can get to the next level yes and you have to be a
1: kind of like ocd in some some sort you know like how where you put your things your materials you know it's just like even for example i don't know i have to peel potatoes you know, and I'm right handed so with my right hand, I use the potato peeler mm-hmm. and so in my my left hand, I will have the bowl of potatoes here, you know it's completely different if you have the potato the bowls of potatoes here, you know, I will have to do this
0: right ah, it's wasted energy, it's not efficient exactly ah. you
1: waste your energy, even if it's just like this tiny nanosecond right multiply it by ten kilos, and it will be minutes
0: mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's, I mean, a famous uh, restaurant, I mean, you know, McDonald's. I saw the, the the movie on Netflix of McDonald's and that's actually why they became really, really big is because the owners had, to, the original owners had designed the kitchen. They took months and months yeah. to design the kitchen. What's the most efficient? What's the most best way? And they they were coming up with so many different designs, but eventually they figured out what works the best. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that, it's it's about being a well-oiled machine and exactly. getting things done efficiently, so that it's the food is consistently good and it comes. And any not anyone can do it, but it becomes
1: no. In in, in this in the in the case of McDonald's, it's just like fast food. Fast so food, right? The fastest you prepare, the fastest you sell, so the fastest right. money comes. <laughs> you know, it's just like and same in a, in in a not so large scale in every kitchen it has to be that. Right. Cuz you have to there's always work in the kitchen. There's always things to do.
0: Right. In a sense where McDonald's it's about it is about efficiency and being fast, but it's the reason is not to be creative or to make really really good food is that they have these, you know, these 16-year-old kids in high school that don't know how to cook, don't yeah. know what they're doing. So it makes it easier on them. They don't have to be a chef to make a uh, fries or to make a burger. They can just there's this process where anyone can go in with good training and yeah. within like a week they're just they're just making everything's exactly. operating perfectly
1: that that's very like from the industrial
0: revolution mm. you know like very yeah it's yeah like machines it's machine man it's like machine like factory workers and factory it's just you have your line line workers I think exactly. they call them it's like, it's, where you're on a line you have your specific job you only do the only do fries yeah. Or you well, only do in burgers. The, in or... the
1: kitchen, that's how you call your station your line. Your line. Your line. It's like your cold line, your hot line, your frying line. It's like line cook.
0: Line cook. Okay. Are we good? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Cool. Yeah, so alright, so McDonald's, right? Now you're you're the conscious chef, right? What what where does that come from? Like, what's the difference between, you know, what McDonald's does. And what you do, right? There's a there's a huge difference. A huge, yeah. So where does conscious chef come from? How did how did that originate?
1: I think that go for many many years. I was kind of like out from social media, you know, from my friends. I was one of the last ones to get Facebook or Instagram or, or things like that. Um, when I was I don't remember how old I was. I think it was 26 or 27. Uh, I did this ceremony with my friends, and a couple of years after, uh, a couple of days after that, I just got the insight of becoming vegetarian. If I wanted to change my energy, if I wanted to change my my life, I had to go vegetarian. I was playing PlayStation, eating a prosciutto sandwich with one of my best friends, Felipe. And I was eating the sandwich, and boom, it hit, it hit me. <laughs> Just, poof, go vegetarian. And what, I remember right. I gave the sandwich to my friend, and I told him, I'm vegetarian now. And he was like, get out of here, man. <laughs> and I was like, ultra carnivore, man. All I right. was like, I was a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I don't believe you, man. For sure, tonight, you're going to eat a salami sandwich or some shit like that. And I was like, no, dude, for seven years strict I didn't eat any 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 meat so conscious chefs uh, was born in the um, in the Dominican Republic Mm. but before that um, for example my first like consciousness chef was in Chile where I have this project with a very good friend of mine that both of us, we were tired of working in restaurants, so we wanna do independent. And the first and easy thing to do when you're independent is just like go street food, you know? So we created this project that it it was called The Cow and the Chef.
0: The Cow and the Chef.
1: And we were doing gourmet vegan street food. Wait, gourmet vegan street food? Yeah. It was amazing, dude. We're in Chile. In, in Chile, yeah, in Santiago. we uh, and at the same time, I was going. We were going at 3 a.m. to the big market, the central market, and we went there one time to to visit one of his friends. And I was I was shocked by the amount of wastage that in these places you see. Yeah, it's right. ridiculous. It's just like tons of food being waste and we were super stoned and we were like dude we have to do something with this because it's just like fresh food that it's a little bit it's i don't know not rotten it has like one hit or or it's it doesn't look nice it doesn't follow the standards of like the supermarkets to sell you know so it's just like what we did we became very good friends with one one of the the owners of these uh, uh things there in the big central market of chile la vega and which just getting the wastage and doing food with them and then we were going to we were selling them mm. you know we were doing uh, veggie burgers and sandwiches with different different toppings and different sauces like super gourmet sauces man like instead yeah. of like the typical soy based burger we were doing like amazing things you know what were the ingredients with like... the i don't know instead of using leches we were using the the leaf of the beetroot mm. oh the leaf of the beetroot the bees yeah.
0: so that's thrown away like exactly people, just like, ah, exactly. people don't people don't eat it you know yeah. and it's
1: full it's full of good, uh, good um, nutrients. nutrients, you know. And he was like a super good spokesman and I gave him like the information. It's like, for example, he was, and the good thing about it is like he was dressed as a fucking cow. <laughs> he was dressed as a cow and I was dressed as a chef and we had, <laughs> it was like super low budget, man. And it was like this paint painting, um, how you say, uh, onesie. Painted as a cow, and we bought this cow uh, hat. Right. And we were going to the exit of all the universities and, or some yoga studios, and basically we were just selling vegan gourmet street food.
0: But why the cow in the shop? Because we
1: were like one of, we have many slogans, and one is like, don't eat my sister, you uh. know, like for one more cow... And things like that yeah. i don't know we yeah, yeah when we created the brand you were hot no, we were super stoned man <laughs> we were super stoned and it was so funny for us to imagine him dressed as a fucking cow because um, <laughs> it was basically because in chile also they're cow meter they eat yeah, meters yeah. Uh, meat eaters you know so and that's how my first contact with like the consciousness about the food you know i was working in a hotel and everything was meat 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 fish and i was like oh my god right and i was vegetarian by then and i was like dude i don't want to do this anymore like i don't want to touch dead animals
0: anymore so you were a vegetarian but you were still cooking preparing meat and fish for other people yeah so uh when i finished that job in in
1: the mountain, I was a chef, the executive chef in in a ski resort hotel. And I say, "Fuck it! I don't want to go back to Argentina. I want to stay here, but I don't want to cook meat anymore." So, I I got this uh, uh, this room in in a house in a bunch of hippie house. The, many of them are my friends, my brothers now, and they kind of like taught me like to reuse this wastage They, because they didn't have money to buy like food all the time and me i saw it as a as an advantage of like instead of spending so much money in, like buying fresh produce i was using the fresh wastage you mm. know so we had fun for a couple of times uh, for a couple of months until uh, summer came and i i couldn't i couldn't stand it like summer in santiago is hard it's yeah. super dry it doesn't rain it's full of smog and a very good friend of mine called me to go to uruguay and i got a job there in uruguay yeah oh, nice and i i was working in a bakery there so it's no meat related i was still being vegetarian and it was amazing
0: you how know? is uruguay have uh don't really hear much about that
1: country. Uruguay is beautiful. Yeah. People are super lovely, super chill, the most chill people yeah. in South America. And
0: it's nice, man. It's yeah, yeah. Very, very nice. nice. And then, so yeah, I think what, what they call uh, what you're saying with the the waste and stuff is called the freeganism or something where. Yeah, freeganism. Freeganism, yeah. right? Where you're taking all this wasted food that it's perfectly fine, but because it has a dent on it or because it has some kind of imperfection, it's not being sold. But it's it's mind-boggling because, I mean, it, you're a business and you're wasting food that people would most likely buy. But what's the thought process in that? Why, why, why throw it, away?
1: I don't know, man. Because, like, each, each vegetable, not here in Mexico or in... Like third world countries, but in the first world countries, like the food has like an appearance right. standard. For example, bananas. Banana has to be this long, this looking, and that's it. The bananas that are a little bit shorter or a little bit longer, they're thrown away.
0: But the, as a business, though, that doesn't make sense. Like, why lose money on on a product?
1: Because it will require a lot of like man labor to separate and ah, to, I don't know, store, it, yeah, store yeah. it somewhere else or right.
0: take it to, I don't know, a smoothie house. The amount that. of money that you require to pay someone to sort it for whatever reason is less than, a lot less must be than the actual product actually costs. And they can exactly. just factor it in factor that loss into what they're selling yeah. so if you buy a banana for you know 50 cents a kilo it's factored in that they're losing a certain amount already so if they didn't if they didn't uh, throw it away and if they sold it to you the bananas would actually cost maybe half or even 10 yeah. percent of that but you're paying even though it's still cheap you're still paying for the loss exactly so it's all factored in exactly so they they're just like okay well people are gonna pay it anyway so yeah, we yeah, just yeah. Throw it away.
1: So basically
0: I, I also
1: big going back to the conscious chef story um, when I went vegetarian I was I was always like preaching veganism and, and vegetarianism you know like for the first years uh, I almost I got very sick because I I was like a super T-Rex carnivore you know so right. I was only eating pasta and pizza you know and <laughs> I was totally malnourished and then I, I, I study. I started to study, you know, nutrition and veganism, where you get your, your plant-based protein, how you combine it. Because it's not just like eating beans, you know, it's right. like how to combine them. It, does, it doesn't matter if you eat beans and if you don't put vitamin C on them. It's right. like your body will just flush it away. Yeah, I mean, if you're
0: eating pasta and pizza also, it's like not exactly. really nutritious. Exactly. So... I don't remember exactly. This is a very good question, man, because I don't remember
1: exactly when I did this Instagram, Conscious Chef. I'm sure I was in the Dominican Republic.
0: Yeah, I was looking at one of your first posts. I think it was a 2015 or 2016, around there. I was in the. I was there in the Dominican Republic, and
1: I went there as a as a, sushi, as a vegan sous chef. They hired me. In the Dominican Republic? Yeah. That's weird, because Dominicans are not vegan at all. <laughs> no, so. no, but th- I was in this hotel, uh, it's a boutique hotel on the beach. Uh, it's an amazing place. And uh, an accountant of mine was working there as a chef and he kind of like hired me for my experience in vegan food and, and and vegetarian food and raw food. I did many, many raw food courses, which I think is amazing. The raw food is it's the
0: future. And yeah, when I was in Bali I had some amazing raw food. I I've, I've, I always thought about raw food as uh not having any taste or being hard or wh- why would you eat something? Well, why not just cook it? But I was in Bali and I was in uh in Ubud and I went to some of these places um I think it was called Moksa or uh Zest Ubud and it was insanely one of the most delicious food of any whether it was meat or vegan yeah. and it was just I was mind-blown. It was like cashew paste and so much flavor in it. And I, I was yeah, just mind-blown that I couldn't believe that something raw could have yeah, so much flavor. Yeah, when you kind of start to
1: ex- experiment with these things, because just like basically using a blender and a dehydrator and it's just like, dude, the amount of things, like it opened my mind a lot. My culinary mind was like right exploding, <laughs> you know, like seeing from from French cooking to... Italian cooking or Mediterranean techniques. It's just like, I was using like my French based knowledge into these raw food things. And I was creating amazing fucking flavors, dude, that I was, I never imagined I can do that, you know? So yeah, I went there to the Dominican Republic as a sous chef, vegan sous chef. And like a month after that, I became the chef of the night restaurant. And I implemented a lot of like vegan and, and raw food or vegetarian dishes into into their oh my god, into their menu. So uh
0: but what what is um when you say vegan, like you implemented some vegan, what are what's what are some examples of the dishes that you made? What what kind of in- ingredients or what were the names of it or well for example
1: there is one that I do here that is like the zucchini. It's what I call the fake fish
0: zucchini. fake fish,
1: okay. The fake fish. So it's basically a, a zucchini that is wrapped in, yeah, in, I mean, in nori seaweed. And cool. There, perfect. It's basically a zucchini that is marinated and then it's wrapped in nori seaweed. And then it's kind of like uh, fried on a chickpea butter. So it's vegan. You don't use eggs or flour for the butter. Okay, and it's basically like what do you use instead of uh, chickpeas?
0: Oh, you use the chickpeas, right? They're yeah. really good. Chickpeas are really have an eggy consistency.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Technical problems there. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, and they're super nutritious. They're super nutritious and. The, the fishy taste, you get it from the seaweed. Um, if you Really, if you close your eyes and if you don't know what you're eating, somebody that is not well-trained right, <laughs> will right. think that it's a fish.
0: Yeah, the seaweed definitely will help with yeah. that and the egginess of the batter, maybe a batterish yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. And many other things, man. Like, I don't know, the, the ceviche. I started to experience a lot with ceviches. Mm. So, what do you use uh, for vegan ceviche? I don't know, from coconut to potatoes to heart of palm. Mm. The heart of palm ceviche is amazing, but one of my favorites is uh, strawberries. Strawberries for strawberries ceviche, strawberries, really? Yeah, and when you, because when you marinate them, like the the texture is kind of like meaty, you know, mm. and it will never taste like meat. Right, right. It will never have that
0: muscle, <laughs> basically, but... But in a, in a dish where it's watery and it's, exactly. like it's mixed with a whole bunch of different yeah. vegetables as ceviche is, it's it's not as noticeable. Exactly. So you can, you can just be like, oh, wow, this tastes really... And the flavor, I'm sure you spice it yeah. up. Yeah, well, what do you use for flavoring for spices? What, what are some of your favorites? Well, um, I'm, I'm very intense. I use uh, uh, many different
1: ingredients, you know? I'm not the simple, Cook, mm-hmm. that used a couple of ingredients. Some garlic, some salt, pepper. Onions, uh, peppers, onions. different spices, different herbs, uh, a lot. The, the, the original strawberry ceviche has like 40 different ingredients. 40 know? different ingredients. Yeah. I, I, I like my food to be as the universe, like chaotic and organized at the mm. same time, like an explosion Ooh. of flavor, you know. I love that. And sometimes some some other dishes, like you know, the the pasta that that I do here, it's like not so many ingredients, but the way you cook those ingredients is like many hours. That's super French and Italian based you know, many hours and maybe a couple of ingredients, but marinated and concentrated 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 concentrated, yeah it's all about concentration when you do slow cooking and and long hours of cooking you know it's
0: like i feel that is also the same for raw foods for example the dehydrator takes hours to dehydrate and take away from the water and and a lot of these raw foods do taste really well because there's very little water in them, and there's more flavor so it takes a long time they they let it sit there and marinate the flavors yeah so that's where it comes from. Yeah, that's amazing. But I was, I was super curious. I mean, you went to a chef school, but yet you still didn't have knowledge of of nutrients. Like you said, you said you when you became vegetarian, even though you were cooking in a kitchen, even though you did go to a culinary school, you were still lacking in the knowledge department of of what are what is conscious food. What is what is?
1: Yeah, 20, 20 years ago, they didn't they didn't teach you that. Right. I, I don't know now maybe in in the best schools they do, you know, because I think it's essential to, I was being a cook on how to nourish your your people, you know, or even yourself. Right. I, I got into it because I was, I was getting sick, you know, like I was super malnourished and that's why I'm like, no dude, I have to study a little bit. Right. Because yeah. back then being vegetarian was like, uh, a salad sim, a sim, no i was being assimilated or like it was being a hippie uh, or, yeah, yeah. or a rasta
0: or just like something a hug, a tree hugger you know <laughs> and things like that you know right and now it's more like more conscious more people are understanding the effects on the environment and the effects on uh, on ourselves on our body um but it's interesting because you know even as a chef um for example a doctor is the same way i mean a doctor goes to how many years of medical school and studying uh nu- studying medicine and, and chemicals and how the body reacts to things but yet they don't have a, a basic understanding of nutrition yeah which is fundamental to health and it's mind-blowing that a doctor with such a high high level of education can still not know or how to prescribe how to tell people what to eat or certain foods and some doctors might tell someone so yeah go have a coca-cola or or you need more red meat in your diet for iron or for certain nutrients and it's yeah. like well you can get iron from so many different kinds of vegetables yeah but it's like uh, uh it's like not knowing you know it's like ignorance right but it's also the fact that you're a doctor right you're a doctor you should know what the best medicine is what kind of food you're putting i mean food you're eating it three times a day you're putting it every day in your body yeah. and and as a doctor you're going to be trying to heal your patients you're and you know it's similar to being a chef i mean as a chef you're giving people food and i think maybe the reason is because a lot of chefs focus more on the taste On the maybe the aesthetics and don't really focus on whether whether the nutrients the nutrient value because, it's it's a lot. I mean, you're you're focusing a lot of what chemicals work together. Whether I should add more salt or whether I should add uh more ginger or whatever, and and how these foods combine with each other. You're not thinking, is this nutritional for, for my patrons? That's uh, that's totally true, man.
1: But luckily we have now in the last years with with the advance of like internet use and social media and for example one thing that i discovered was uh, ayurvedic oh yes Ayur, ayurvedic yeah. uh, cuisine or medicine or whatever you in want india call right um, yeah. yeah that they, they are not 100% plant based but they study that, like you just said, what what ingredients to use in your body to, in order to help you get the most nourishment, or if you have a disease, how to cure it. Right. And it's based on like how, also your body type, your doshas, I think is it's exact, called. Yeah, is your dosha is your body type, and we all have the the, the three energies, but some are more some yeah. are more noticeable or more marked in one another, and I think what um, this medicine uh, western medicine focuses and just like we all have the same body and that's totally wrong man we are a complete different body type right everybody is different not everybody can be vegan man. right not right, everybody yeah. can be carnivore right even the fucking dalai lama is not vegan man not even vegetarian <laughs> yeah. he can't yeah yeah I, the age it, he has and his and body type. His body type. He has to eat animal protein once in a while. Otherwise right. the guy will die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's another kind of thing that, for example, there there's a lot of like fanatism in vegan. No, everybody should be vegan because we are vegan, blah blah blah. No. We've been eating meat for I don't know how many years, ten thousand years since humans are developed and we change our structure, man. We are not one hundred percent plant based. Yeah, we don't have the, the how you call this? The
0: canines. We don't.
1: We don't have the canines as an as, as an um. animal. Or the, our intestine is like plant based, but we've been changing the whole structure, you know, for many many years, and that changed our DNA and with the crappy food and all the chemicals that they the chemicals that they put in the food, we are completely modified,
0: man. Right, yeah, definitely. I think um but Ayurveda has a I, I love their 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 way of approaching things, like you said. They look at your body type. They look at also um do you know about the different tastes? Like the salt, salty, stringent, sweet, um you yun, how do you say unami? Unami? Umami. Umami what yeah. what is that? What I always Umami is like the, the the sixth
1: sense, you know, okay. it's like a, umami. When you, it's like the perfection of combination of flavors. It's mo, when you eat something that is umami, is like having an orgasm, basically. <laughs> you know, it's just like this is so well prepared, and the combinations of, like you say, salty, acidity, sweet, whatever, whatever, is so perfectly combined that it creates the you create this other emotion, sensation, that is, sensation that is umami.
0: Umami. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, the different also in uh, Ayurveda, the different um bit, the, the the different tastes affect you differently, affect your mood and your personality. Totally. When I was in uh, Australia, there was this one uh, restaurant that actually I think it was called Serotonin. Um, I don't know if that's the right name but I think it was either in Melbourne or Sydney where their food was basically they had certain foods that would affect your mood in a certain way so if you ate this food and you wanted to be more um, more happier yeah. it had certain type of food but if you wanted to experience um, maybe some kind of some other emotion I don't yeah. remember what but it was Amazing, like a, a right? chemistry thing yeah I'll, I'll send you the information of it maybe you can see it
1: Yeah well, basically you know when when girls or boys are sad what we why we eat chocolate? <laughs> Why? Because cacao has these enzymes that they produce serotonin, yeah, you know, yeah. and they want to—they make you happy. Like
0: chemically, they make you mm-hmm. happy. I think they know? say that chocolate uh, um, introduces the same emotions as falling in love. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. super interesting. Because it's about
1: chemistry, man. It's just like
0: the the, the, the
1: mole- molecules that they, the these ingredients have. Like they produce these. Other in- molecules in your brain, and they start to segregate serotonin, and that, what, why they say chocolate makes you happy? Chocolate,
0: yeah, yeah, because it produces serotonin. Yeah, I think uh, we also don't realize the that food is uh, food is a drug, and it's a uh, when you go to hospitals, right? What are they serving you in hospitals? They serve the shittiest food ever, man.
1: Like, yeah. for example. Uh, in the Dominican Republic, I had I was super stressed and I wasn't having a very good diet. I was like my diet was coffee, uh, bread, and Coca Cola, and, <laughs> and spiruline. Spiruline was was making me alive, <laughs> and I was super super stressed. And I had kidney stones, you know. And mm. I, I went to the hospital. The, I, ha- I had to be in the hospital for a week. And the food, dude, it was just like. Because I was vegetarian and I was like, okay, here, have some potatoes, carrots, and rice. And I was like, dude, where's my protein? Right. I'm not going to get better if I don't have protein. Okay. If I don't eat protein, my, I will not have the energy to recover myself. My immune system is going to suck. And basically, what I was doing, I was just buying my own food in the hospital, mm. man. Because yeah. if you're a vegetarian and if you are in a
0: clinic, no no no, yeah. no bueno it's it's and it's interesting yeah you're at a hospital to get better you would think that they would be serving you the best food the yeah. highest well, quality it's like food. we said before you know they're, it's ignorance they don't know yeah i mean or maybe it's just they're not there to really help you to heal you they're just there well, too that, that's, that's, that's another a, story that's a different chapter yeah, yeah yeah but
1: yeah it's basically that
0: what is what's the difference between drug and medicine because uh I was talking to some people about for example taking uh, ayahuasca or taking uh, mush- mushrooms magic mushrooms and you know how food is a drug also but in a way you you also kind of put it where food is medicine right food is something that's there to heal you or you know these ayahuasca some people call it a drug some people call it medicine what is that what do you think is the difference the difference is how we humans
1: interact i don't think that there are good drugs or bad drugs. You know, they're they're just chemicals. You know that they create or generate different things to us. It's how we interact with those chemicals. You know, you can get addicted to ayahuasca. I, I met many many people that they were super addicted to ayahuasca, and right. do it two times a week, and they were just completely out of this world, always there, like in this realm of spaced, like out. spaced out you yeah. know when you live here you live here <laughs> in this dimension in this society you know so i think the difference between medicine and and, and
0: drug is how we respond to it you okay. know like the addiction like probably drugs are more addicting, or have an addictive thing where medicine can I guess can be addictive, but it's more about healing. Exactly. For example, if you if you do this ayahuasca
1: or DMT or magic mushrooms, on like, in a way of like, with a purpose, you know, if you if you do it with a purpose, like, okay, I want to heal something. I want to reprogram my brain to stop suffering from this whatever trauma I had in my past. Uh, if you have that purpose, it's not a drug. You're doing it as medicine. You're just doing it for doing it. Like when you smoke a cig, I don't have a purpose for smoking a cig. I right. just like smoking a fucking cig because I want to <laughs> smoke a cig. I'm a drug addict of a yeah, yeah. And I'm smoking a cig, You know, and just like it doesn't have a, any purpose. Sometimes you have purpose for a cig. For example, I don't know, I would I finish a super hard shift where I fed a lot of people, and just like going outside and just like oh my god I want to smoke a sea because I want to enjoy that nicotine and that you know it's not going to be a medicine because it's not going to heal you fuck all Mm. but it's just it's an addiction exactly and it's the same with any drug you know Mm. I don't think there are good drugs or bad drugs you can
0: also be addicted to food certain foods and yeah but
1: it's just like how we interact with them you know just like how we take them, how we, how, what we search for the feeling or sensation that this type of drug will give you, you know, it's cigarettes, cocaine, MDMA, whatever. Right. Just like what, basically, what I think about drugs is like we are trying to feel some hole. Some void, some emptiness. Some emptiness you know and some people do it with ayahuasca and they're trying to fill their emptiness with ayahuasca some people do it with cocaine or i don't marijuana know marijuana or marijuana cigarettes or alcohol or She's food 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 is a drug yeah man. food like obesity is a very big problem
0: And yeah and very, people that are depressed and they're sad they sit home and they just drown themselves in food and they keep eating to fill this void yeah and yeah super sad Super sad, but It's part of like the
1: the world, and like we talked before, and, like it's another chapter to talk about. But it's just like it's there, you know, the amount of sugar that they put in the food. because Sugar is addictive, man. Sugar, they
0: it's, say, is more addictive than cocaine. I don't know if it's like ten times more addictive, yeah. but yeah, they've. Uh, it's interesting. You substitute cocaine doesn't have an addiction, but sugar. Which we think like, oh, it's, it's not bad for you, but it's super no, it's addictive. Super addictive, man. Yeah. You, I remember the first time I went to Brazil uh,
1: that, that I felt like the jungle hit. I was like, oh, my God, I need a Coca-Cola. <laughs> my, my blood pressure is going down. I need sugar. Otherwise, I will die. And it was just my brain, you know, like. Right. yeah give Your me withdrawal symptoms e- exactly giving me this withdrawal symptoms
0: right? yeah totally. i think we also when we when we feel that we're healthy or we feel that um we're trying to heal we also don't realize that the the foods that we're eating constantly we are addicted to them we have this like level where if you're if you're eating a lot of just junk food or whatever it is you have this addiction where you're not even aware of it. You're just, yeah, yeah. just going through life. And I went, uh, this is a very funny story, man. I went vegan many stages of my
1: life, like, for a couple of weeks or months, but the first time, I was having nightmares eating pizza, man.
0: Nightmares eating pizza? Yeah. Why? Because
1: I'm, I'm kind of like addicted to pizza. If yeah, like everyone, <laughs> I love pizza. Exactly. But yeah, you probably because yeah. like every ten days, I need to eat a pizza. It's like my brain is starting to send this withdrawal signals. Pizza, 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 and when I was vegan, of course, I wasn't. E- I wasn't gonna eat pizza. Which is bread and sauce. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> just so a it's cheese. Just, I was having nightmares, man. Like. I was super strict and disciplined about it. And I was like, no, like forcing myself, because I love cheese, I fucking love cheese. And I was forcing myself not to do it, you know? So I was having these nightmares, man, Where I was like in this giant oven pizza. I was inside this oven of pizza, (laughs) surrounded by these beautiful Italian pizzas next to me and people eating them. And I was like, ah, going crazy, (laughs) man. It was
0: insane. That's insane. I mean, yeah, they say that cheese has these uh produces these quesomorphines that it's morphine, which is super addictive. Yeah. That the reason the, the cows will have this and then it'll have the um the calves wanna come back for more and drink more milk. But when you have it in cheese, it becomes super more condensed. So you're taking these morphines and you're, you have this crazy addiction to cheese. Yeah. And even when you stop eating it, you feel like, oh my God, I need cheese. I need more of exactly. it. And everything has cheese. They put everything on salads from pizza to salads to burgers to sandwiches, cheese yeah. on everything. So. In the
1: food in- industry, like, gassing, like you say, gassing is, is present in everywhere, man. Even in the... Everywhere, man, it's there. Just like if you read the
0: ingredients, they have a tiny bit of uh, powder milk or, right. yeah, or, yeah. or, or whatever, <laughs> Just man. Just a bit. Like I, I was looking at a, a Hershey's chocolate the other day, and I was like, oh, all these ingredients, there's no dairy in it. There's like a soy, and then there's also, at the end, which is, the, I think the last ingredient is the, the least amount, mm-hmm. There's there's milk. There's a milk powder, and it's like, you have everything there. Why did you need to add the milk powder or the milk to it? It's like, I don't know. I mean, everything has a purpose <laughs> like the, good
1: or evil or wrong everything has a purpose man. everything has what do
0: you think the purpose is
1: getting addicted oh. getting addicted the, the sugar yeah definitely the sugar the when when you for me it's so funny man like in in your stomach you have these all these enzymes and and bacterias and chemicals and and, and shit <laughs> <laughs> so, when you stop eating, when you stop drinking your like your mom's milk, and they give you all these formulas and powders, that's when they hook you up. Mm. That's when they fuck you up.
0: The, you think the formulas and the powders are
1: yeah changes yeah. your. But before when when we were younger, maybe we, I don't remember having these formulas like right. around. You know, maybe like this. Uh, yeah, what's brand like nestle brand yeah. like uh, powder or whatever but for example my my sisters my older sisters i don't think they they had cow milk they just like have my mom's milk or, right. and and then but now it's like okay here have the have the milk bottle stop fucking around and it, it's i i saw it with babies of my friends that they just give you this and it's the way that the baby reacts and they just like so calming for them when mm. they're just like crying 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 here have the, the milk bottle I's just like okay here there, just like calm and chill mm, yeah. and that that milk or formula or whatever no matter how well done is or pro or, or organic to or whatever the milk, fuck, yeah. it's just like it's not human it's not ourselves it's not made from a factory of moms right. you know it's just like cow it's cow paste so that starts starts to change your organism in right. in, in, a, in a way that makes you addicted. Since you were born, man. Mm. Makes you addicted. That makes a lot of sense. Before you you have one year, you start to have this formula because your mother has to work. It's not twenty four seven there for you to give you the milk, or right, some right. some of the mothers they don't produce the milk. Or I don't know. Many, many reasons here have the milk bottle. And, and that starts that starts to
0: change your organism your bacteria your to, bacteria is completely changed right. the enzymes the proteins the lipids the fats in the milk is designed for a cow it's not designed for a human exactly so when you're taking that and then your bacteria is changing for to to give more bacteria that want that cow milk so you start feeding the bacteria that enjoy the the, the cow milk so that when you're older and you try to stop, you have so much of that bacteria already yeah. been part of you for decades. Exactly. You had to do a, a, cleanse. The, the, a cleanse that last
1: years. Right. Damn. never thought of like that. Years. When I was, now I'm flexitarian. Sometimes I eat meat or a couple of fish or chicken or whatever. But for seven years, I I, I didn't eat any meat. I was the, the type of guy, if like the, the sandwich had a little bit of like, Cold cat, no, I'm not gonna eat it. It, touched, touch it touched the yeah, cheese. Yeah. I'm not gonna eat it. It's disgusting. Uh, and when I, st- the first time that I ate meat, because I did a barbecue and people for, for, I did a wedding or it was a birthday or something like that. And uh, I cooked this uh, Angus beef uh, flat skirt and people were like literally about to cry. Like, Nico, this is so fucking good. You have to, I can't believe that you don't try this, man. How you cook so so good and you don't try it. So I tried a little bit. And then I tried a little bit, something else. And then the next year mm. and the next month, blah, blah, blah. And then when I was in, in Costa Rica, I did, I did these uh, burgers, this party that everybody was flipping out. Like, oh man, this is so yummy. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to have one. And I had a whole burger and I was sick for five days. Man. <laughs> I was sick for five days. Five days? days. Yeah, and man. Like
0: reintroduced me into your system. Fever, diarrhea, sh-
1: cold, shakes.
0: Was, was it, it worth it? No. <laughs> no?
1: No, no. Totally not, man. Because I was suffering for five days five straight. Days. I couldn't move from my house for five days from my bed. I was shitting myself. Man. From the burger? From the fucking burger, man. Why, why do you think that is? What a... Because it was l- low-quality meat. Mm. It was low-quality. It was super yummy and tasty, but it was super low-ground
0: beef. Right, so all the... Costa Rican, God knows where it <laughs> came from. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that Costa Rica is, like, a higher place, but they also have just shitty products also, maybe. Yeah. Which, and who knows where it comes from. No, my, my stomach
1: wasn't prepared for that, right? right? After many, many, mm. almost a decade of being vegetarian, I'm like, dude, Rejected, rejected man.
0: I was vomiting for two days. Damn, that must have been <laughs> so bad. Yeah, but you man. still, but then, I mean, it didn't stop you eventually. I mean, you still are flexitarian, right? Yeah, yeah. But if I eat ground beef, like crappy ground beef, uh, I
1: have the same reaction. I know instantly that it's gonna get me hurt, right? Or, for example, uh, last year I started to be more flexitarian and every time I eat a little bit of meat I have this acidity in my stomach my my burnt stomach right. burns and shit like that and I was like oh no so now I eat a little bit every now and then cause I kind of like re, rebuilt my stomach you know Okay.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian right alright yeah. hold on a second let me just double check everything yeah Great. Nice. All right, yeah, so can you explain more? So conscious, conscious food, what, what is conscious? Do you, when you say conscious, do you mean, because I know there's two different words and it's spelled differently. One is like consciousness, um, your consciousness, mm-hmm. and then the other one is uh, conscious, which means aware, right? Yeah. Or yeah. So it's basically
1: a combination of the two, you know. For example, nowadays that uh, I have, the the opportunity to choose where my ingredients come from you know instead of like supporting big corporations i support the small businesses you know mm-hmm. like small farms small <clears throat> uh, yeah basically farms for example all my proteins are organic same as the eggs so there are free-range eggs there are no chickens that there are factory of eggs you know they're not factories what is that
0: what does organic mean what because uh, i know some people have different views on organic what does it mean to you well not the, de- I mean not the definition but like what do you, when you say organic what do you mean organic it means that it
1: was raised with no chemicals okay basically you know no no, no hormones, especially on animals, you know, that they put hormones to, to make them grow faster, uh, fatter, bigger, and faster, basically, you know. And when you speak about organic protein, it's that there are animals that they are raised fulfilling their own cycle. You know, for example, one chicken is supposed to live for three years to get uh, two years to get to the full growth. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, with all the hormones and shit they put in, it, it's only five months.
0: Five months. I've even heard like 60 days or something like that. Some crazy amount. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. in, in In the States, it's like something like two months. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's supposed to be around two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go to, okay, cool. So what else? So organic... Things, uh, consciousness.
1: Also, in, in in terms of like veggies, uh, they don't put any chemicals in, into the soil.
0: Right, they that's are, a huge thing with like monocultures and crops where exactly, everything is sprayed you know, with pesticides. Exactly. Okay.
1: So it's very important. Like, it's not about also the chemicals that they they use to protect from bugs and to make them grow stronger and Roundup and Monsanto and all that. It's about like. When you do organic uh, veggies, is what what the veggies eat in the soil, mm-hmm. you know? For example, now there's a very big hype of, like, the vegans not having enough vitamin B12. Mm-hmm. Vitamin B12 is present in shit, basically. In shit. <laughs> in, in manure. Okay. You know? So... What, it's like you said, like when, when you do these monocultures, they don't put manure in the soil, they just put the chemical that pff, makes them grow stronger and right. faster. So basically the B12, it disappeared in the, in the veggie world because the way we produce the food. So if you do organic food, you will have B12 in, in a lot of uh, vegetables, right. a lot. It's or a, it's a bacteria,
0: no B12. So is, it's produced a bacteria in the, the manure produces yeah. the the enzyme of B12. Exactly. So you will have it in your veggies and not in <clears throat> in fish
1: or in eggs or in whatsoever. Right. Because like it's there in the animals, is there the B12?
0: To be fair, too, a lot of people who do eat meat and animal products are lacking in B12 for the same reason that you're talking about with these monocultures because they're feeding. Cows and chickens, uh, um, whether it's wheat or soy, that is also a monoculture that doesn't have the B12. So then the animals are not getting the B12, and then people who eat the animal products are also not getting the B12 because they're lacking in in B12. Yes, and
1: because of like the hygiene restrictions and regulations, they don't grow up in their shit, to say (laughs) so, you know? So it's just like, yeah, they do, but in a way, like they don't have it like b12 is present in the soil right in, in in the sheet of all in the manure of all the animals you know so when you use like for example chicken when you do rotation uh crops you know for like these three months you have chickens here and then you pass them here and when the chickens supposed to be they used to be you then plant I don't know, lettuce, for saying something, lettuce or whatever. And you rotate, you know, Mm -hmm. you do this like four cycle, where here you have chickens, here you have lettuce, here you have, I don't know, beans, and here you have things. And not just beans, where you put beans, you also grow corn, because they put nitrogen into the soil that helps the corn the corn to grow, oh, and you combine different species of like veggies to support each other. Yeah. You know, it's like I told you at the beginning that we forgot the surrounding. You don't find a plant in the forest by itself, w-
0: just like by itself. Right, not. It's like it, millions of different species helping each other, yeah, living off each other, in symbiosis and symbiosis yeah. and collaborating. And exactly, yeah. I think I also talked about this before about the three sisters, like you said, the beans, the corn, and then the squash. Yeah. And then the, the, the beans give the core nitrogen or something, and the nitrogen provides like a way for the, the beans to wrap around and gives it uh-huh. a structure, and then the squash gives it some other kind of nutrient. Yeah, yeah. It's like basically three nutrients that every plant needs nitrogen, yeah. potassium, and. But it works phosphorus. together, yeah. And I think we've lost that. So have you gotten into uh, any. Is, is it called permaculture farming? Where yeah. What is, what is permaculture?
1: Permaculture, it's a, a way of living. So a way of living it's not just like the way you grow food grow food it's just like a way of living how you build your house how to interact with your surrounding and what's this Actually, way of living it's like no interference in the natural laws of the universe basically <laughs> you know when when you go to like we said you know when you go to the forest or the jungle you don't see one spot species of plant. There's just millions of them, you know, and they all interact together. Right. And for example, when you build your house in a permaculture way, you you build it like in a way that the sun will help you to heat the, your house during the winter and like cool it down in summer. Yeah. And also with the wind, how you put things on the ground mm. and, and how you, what, is your house gonna do to help that plot of land? You know, it's like wh- your yeah. waste. Right? You know, like your 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 an eagle just flew by. No? An eagle? Yeah, wow. it's a big animal. It's there. It's
0: there. It's there. An eagle? Oh, no, it's not an eagle. No, it's just like a... Yeah, the way when I think of uh, permaculture, the way I've heard it explained was living or cre- well, in the sense of farming, is creating. A, a community a farm in tune with nature yes in tune and that is sustainable sustainable exactly
1: sustainable you know because like what happened now with monoculture is like that is not sustainable it has yeah. an end okay it has a beginning and it has an end man then after many 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 years that soil is completely destroyed right it has no life whatsoever like literally it has no bacteria no microbes no nothing you can do f- nothing there you know so permaculture is like is that sustainable so that growth or whatever per, um, that you harvest there is going to be forever right so you, also like
0: also, also how you said about um like your kitchen is efficient it works the most the most easiest and the most fluid way is like the best way because when you create a permaculture farm your intent is to also Build it, but then eventually just leave it alone, and exactly. and then eventually it'll just it'll just do its thing, and then exactly. you can you can tweak it a bit and and fine tune it and yeah. take what you need from it. But it's gonna it's, it's a cycle. It's gonna always be there forever. Yeah, it's self sustainable. Self sustaining. Well. Yeah,
1: exactly. So one of the first things that they teach you when you do permaculture courses or whatever is like, there's there's no such thing as a good weed or a bad weed. They are all the same. There's That's something that they they made us believe, you know? I don't know if you, in every city or garden in the world, you see a guy picking up the, the weeds. Yeah, there's
0: weed chemicals, weed killers, and all this. And there's, God didn't put good plants and bad plants. They're right. just
1: plants, man. They're just not like, oh, no, this is a weed. I have to take it off. <laughs> no, if it's there, it's for a
0: reason. I never thought of that, actually. I always thought of weed as uh, a pest, like uh, a something you need to take out. So what, what do you mean when you say there's no such thing as, how does it work? Because it's like that, you know. For example, there are some
1: species of plants that they take the nutrients of the soil that is not uh, positive for the thing that you are growing. For example, I don't know, if you put bananas and next to it you put something that, I don't know. Eats a lot of whatever nutrient, and the banana starts to die. Yeah, well, that that thing is not positive for the banana. But it's not that it's good or, or bad. It's
0: just like a plant, right? It doesn't have a good relationship with each other. So exactly. Tho- Those two plants are are competing for resources, and one of them is gonna be deficient. Exactly. So you need to understand and see how nature has through millions of years of evolution have worked out where certain plants work best together so you can see them in nature naturally so if you see them working in nature then that's a good sign that they'll work in your farm. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You see it in the jungle, man, that in many, many trees you see these vines and and growing into the trees and that vine has the root in their soil and thanks to the tree that has the structure for the vine to go to the sky and get like Basically, the sunlight by doing this photosynthesis, th- this plant gives to the soil certain in, uh, nutrients, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's like a like you said before, it's like a symbiosis of like helping each other. And what permaculture does is like they teach you how to study that and how to because it's basic, each environment is different. It's not the same studying permaculture here mm-hmm. than in South America or in Brazil or whatever. Right. It's like I did a couple of courses in Argentina and in Uruguay and Bolivia and Brazil and each one and in Costa Rica as well. And each one is different, you know, because it's about the surrounding. The surround, Yeah, definitely. And h-
0: how you said before, how we're all different. We all have different body types, right? So if you're born in Brazil and then someone is born or raised in Alaska, they're going to have different food requirements. Exactly. Right. Totally. So they're they're going to have been raised under a different environment eating certain types of bacteria from the plants or or some certain types of food. So if you try to feed someone who was raised in the Amazon forest in Brazil and you try to give them the same food to an Alaskan, it's they're 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 going to reject it. Exactly. Cuz yeah. they're they're not they're they their whole way they were raised is differently. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, so when you say conscious, do you also Think that plants are conscious uh
1: i th- think they're they're part of like uh a common consciousness
0: common consciousness okay
1: they're part of uh, the, ev- the everything the one you know so basically if you if in large scale you can say yes because they are part of like the whole that the whole is a, like a, the same consciousness. Mm-hmm. And they're part of
0: us. You yeah. know, so, yeah, I think some people talk about how when you place certain music for, for plants they can react to it or yeah. um, they change depending on the mood and they have their own awareness maybe. I actually met a guy in, or uh, was it, in Nicaragua. I was at this uh, island called Ometepe a volcano place and we were on um this chocolate this chocolate factory where they were growing cacao and he was a yoga teacher and he talked about how he didn't even eat maple syrup from because maple is basically from trees right they, yeah. they from trees because so, his idea was that that no that actually maple syrup is the blood of the tree so he was i mean he was super out there he was this yogi dude and he's super cool but I had never heard something so extreme in my life. I mean, I've met a lot of people who are vegan and and they talk about, you know, consciousness and not affecting animals and stuff, but I've never met someone um, so into so extreme where, you know, people have these arguments where they say, Oh, you're you're vegan and you don't kill animals, but plants are alive, so you can kill plants, yeah, yeah, you don't care about plants. <laughs> They're alive. But his idea was that no, maple the, syrup.
1: Yeah, the maple... How to extract the maple syrup. If, if you think uh, about, like, the tree as a as a being, is quite it's quite violent. Because it's basically yeah, just, like, stabbing the tree and right. taking out the blood. And, and draining
0: the blood, the maple drain, syrup.
1: Drain out the blood from the maple syrup.
0: What, what do you think? So how does that... Do you know how it works or... No, no okay, but... So.
1: But also there are, like, uh, these... Uh, monks that they don't walk on the grass
0: I think they're called Jains is it Jainism where I don't remember the, the I think type. it's Jainism in India Yeah. where they have it's a religion also where they're vegetarian yeah. and they don't even eat um, they don't eat they put masks on because they don't want to swallow bugs Exactly. and they don't eat certain food that has been over a certain amount of time because of the bacteria and even the bacteria they say no you're killing you're harming bacteria exactly. And they're really—they don't walk. They yeah, don't they, walk on the grass because they don't want to kill any bugs, any ants or anything like that. Anything that's like that. really—that's <laughs> extreme. But well, man, each yeah, each to their own. I mean, if if they feel for that, me,
1: it's a little bit extreme, you know. Yeah. But in in terms of like what we started to spoke about the surrounding, it's it's uh, it matches, you know, because like okay, I'm not gonna kill anything. I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to be part of like. Hurting, I think it's, it's, it's about hurting the the animals or mm. even
0: an, an insect. So then, so conscious food. I mean, do you? So when can conscious food also be including meat? Yes. Okay, so how how does that work? For, for some example,
1: people? people go crazy with the with the lamb that I do, uh, but the lamb was comes from a farm and isn't i'm not gonna say it's a happy lamb it grows there jumping (laughs) it's just like lamb and it's being raised to being killed eventually but it's about the 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 uh, the footprint of the farm you know okay it's organic so their their footprint into the environment is minimum and it's it works with uh, symbiosis as okay. well, you know. And same with the fish. I don't have four million fish dishes because I don't want to destroy the, f- the whole ocean. You know, I'm a, right. I'm conscious about it. I'm and when people see my menu or read my menu, it's like, oh, why do you don't have some some? You have to put more meat in it or more fish in it, and oh, nobody likes the vegetarian, blah blah. blah. No, but I, when I see these kind of people i, I talk to them and it's like no this this is this farm from comes here no more than 50 kilometers away mm-hmm. so also the the, the um, how you call it? the the fuel print no it's not the fuel print the
0: the carbon the, the carbon
1: print carbon print the carbon print is minimum because it's just like here next door it, i don't buy the meat from the states that comes with a plane mm-hmm. and yada yada that that's about being conscious you know if you go the whole way and if you go deeper and deeper and deeper it's at the end nothing is conscious nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean
0: even move to the rules. middle of the jungle have yeah, even, your own veggies even community. us uh, being alive is like creating a carbon footprint right yeah I mean I guess the, the most efficient way to not have a carbon footprint is to just commit suicide <laughs> in, in a, in, a, in in a, a very evil way yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> like yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean have you seen the documentary seaspiracy no not yet uh, I, don't, I don't know if you should watch it because it talks about it's it's really well done and it talks about how actually fish there really isn't really not that there isn't sustainable fish but it's really 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 hard even fish that we think is sustainable is not sustainable at all but but yeah i think uh it's just how much it's not to say that you should not eat fish at all it's just be more conscious and be more aware of it.
1: Yeah, the, the thing about it is like, for example, one of my my business partners partners he likes to eat fish mm-hmm. every day, and it's like, dude, you're fucking killing the whole ocean, dude. <laughs> like, stop. One day, eat veggie. Right. With one day, if all the planet goes vegan for one day, just one day of the week, it will change completely. It would change completely because it would. Change the chain, the production chain. It will change the demand. It will change the offer. So I think it's just like that. Don't go so extreme. And like I like we talked before, not everybody can be vegan or vegetarian. And but just like changing your habits,
0: it will make a huge impact, a huge impact in the world. So do you think what's the what's the step for uh, having a conscious world? I mean, you're a conscious chef, where you're feeding people conscious food, and you put a lot of a, uh, a lot of a, uh, thought and emotion into your food. But what do you what do you think is the shift that we need in the world right now for consciousness? Everybody should smoke DMT, <laughs> <laughs> especially the politicians, right? Yeah, yeah. No, uh,
1: I think that the shift will be to be more in touch. That everybody should be out of the cities first. I don't I don't think that living in a city is living a healthy life mm.
0: or at least taking a good amount of time away from the city exactly a break from and to see to be more in tune with nature then you when you come back you have an experience yeah so I think that's a that's a big part of uh, if you have too much city life yeah too much city life and uh, too much of something it's without some kind of break some kind of uh, Um. yeah What because
1: like people that for example I was born and raised in a city. Mm-hmm. The first time that Same. I went to the jungle, I almost died. Like in what from, way? In in phobia of like uh-huh. the amount of bugs and, and <laughs> nature and I was allergic to fucking everything. And I was like, Oh my god, I wanna come back to my little white square in the city, you right. know? Until you get used to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: you can uh,
0: I don't know, man. You can sleep under the stars, and and. I was actually fortunate where I grew up in New York City, but I grew up in a place where we would play outside in like a shitty, um, dead end street, and we'd we we didn't care we'd run in barefoot on the street and so and then also too my family's from dominican republic where i would go every summer and spend two months or summer vacation there and i would go into the rivers and the lakes and they had a farm and i'd I'd play with the cows and the horses and 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 run barefoot and get all those bacteria
1: yeah that builds your immune system exactly that builds you're in the people that is dying from COVID is like rich people <laughs> that they don't they, they didn't experience that when they were younger. Man. Right, they f- their
0: families kind of try to protect them, but in yeah, cleaning them, everything, ninety-nine
1: yeah. lysophorm kills ninety nine. point nine of bacteria. Oh fuck, uh, yeah. How are yeah. you, you supposed to have a good <laughs> bacteria in your walls if you're using products to kill them?
0: Right. Yeah, you're killing the bad bacteria, but you're also killing the necessary bacteria that keep us alive. Exactly. So, but it's
1: the same as, like, w- what we talk about good drug and bad drug. I don't think that there's good and bad bacteria. Right. It's just
0: bacteria, man. That's it, yeah. I mean, they're just, if you have a bacteria and it's it's causing some kind of problems with you, you may consider it bad, but it's just trying to survive and it's exactly. trying to live off you. So exactly. maybe it's not in tune with your body. You just got to get rid of that and just keep the stuff that's going to be beneficial for that bacteria and beneficial for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they say, what, uh, 90% of our cells are bacteria or something like that yeah we are
1: covered in bacteria if yeah. you look with a microscope it's <laughs> full of little bags and,
0: and gross uh, yeah. not gross but it's, it's yeah, us it's there we are bacteria Makes in a sense. sense we are alien species living yeah um yeah and also too so your food so can you tell us more about like your menu and how you how, how do you start your day you go into a kitchen and you go into work, do you prepare yourself? And what's your process? Well, um, my
1: process, I woke up, have coffee, and I start with the uh, emails and, and texting. That's how I start. And then then when I come here, I already, the day is before. That, is that how
0: you wake up in the morning? You start your day, you start texting? and yeah. You know,
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I have some free time in my house when I do chores or, or when I went walking or to the beach or whatever. And Then when I come here, the day before I already gave the crew the list of things to do, you know? And when I come here, there are certain things that I like to do myself, certain recipes that I like to do myself and some of the things that the guys that do, you know and what i love about my job is that i'm not the the hidden away chef that's always locked down in the kitchen you know mm-hmm. what like i told you before one of the things that i enjoy about being a chef is about making people happy and just like interacting with the, with people when they're happy with my food for me is the most fulfilling Emotion or sensation that this job gives me, and and then when I'm here, it's just like checking the suppliers, checking the the stock, meeting with my manager or my partners, the programming the week or the month or I don't know. The, being a chef, you even you have like ro- your routine, routine or, yeah. or your or your schedule. Everything's changing completely all the time. Okay. You know, you, you especially here in, in, in second world countries <laughs> where the supplier didn't didn't bring you this. So you have to talk to the other supplier or right. the, or your, I don't know, your crew, one of the guys didn't show up. Or you have a customer, a very particular customer. You have to go and talk and this and that.
0: So. Yeah, I think it's also just the culture here in Mexico. It's a little bit more, less, more fluid and more. It's harder to be consistent with when you're dealing with people in business
1: what what what's happening now here in tulum is that uh, suppliers they cannot support the huge amount uh, amount of demand that mm. there is right now really yeah there's a lot of people and i talk to many 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 of my suppliers that they have to come at 8am and they come at 2 and it's just like dude i'm sorry but i I can't. Right, I'm. I'm overwhelmed. And the m- many of the of the like. Cause I support small businesses, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like the small business is Like I, I'm, dude. I'm overwhelmed by work. Right. I, don't have, I don't have the hands to. Because many of us, we support small farms and, and things like that, and it's just like I can't.
0: It's hard. Yeah, I don't think there's um, a distribution center for small farms where you can a business can go and no, just get not. everything that they need. There's Because you want to have local places. Maybe maybe that's a good idea for someone to start a a place where you can have a distribution for businesses. A, a middle ground where you have all these local suppliers. Can have a, a market, maybe it know?
1: will be a good idea, but at the same time, it will it will not be a good idea because it's like a third party. Third party, you know?
0: then cl- the prices go up.
1: Exactly, the prices yeah. grow up. Distribution is more difficult. It's like the the the, f- the f-
0: print. It's higher and yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe just some kind of way to make it more efficient, maybe at nighttime or something, maybe. Do something where... It's yeah, nighttime
1: will be amazing, man.
0: Yeah, no one's in the street. and You can go deliver your products and stuff like that. Yeah. So what's your pain of Saloon? Like, what, what what brought you here? Why did you come here? How do you... What do you think of it?
1: Well, uh, Norita brought me here. Norita. Yeah. Um, one of my, my partners is my cousin. We grew up together. So his partner... Uh, was live here for a couple of years, and when they they offer the the spot, the restaurant, they th- they thought about me, and when they called me, I was there in Costa Rica doing nothing because we were in pandemic mm-hmm. and the town was closed. Uh, Santa Teresa was closed. Yeah. what month was this? This was uh, May or June.
0: Ah, uh, May June. It was still closed. Yeah. Is it open now or? Yeah, now it's f- full. Full. Yeah. Um. And when they called me,
1: but Costa Rica was close even, you know, like the whole country. So when they called me, I said yes immediately because Santa Teresa is a very good town to live, very peaceful, very, the nature is amazing. I had a bunch of friends, a bunch of brothers and sisters, uh, and I was very happy with my job there. I was the chef at the beach.
0: What what, spot? El Rocamar. Rukuma? Yeah. Okay. I w- I've been to Santa Teresa.
1: I was the chef there and I was also the sous chef of of uh, a private catering of Jim Jim Kelly, amazing friend and very one of the best chefs that I know. So I was there and I was kind of like stuck, you know? Like professionally, it was mm. like I went there to Teresa to take a rest, I think, you know? I did many many different things not only chefing there. Actually. Did you surf? I surfed. I almost died surfing. Uh,
0: <laughs> what <laughs> happened? What was the story?
1: No, I, I, my my surf, my leash uh. got cut. Uh. it was very very heavy waves. It was very choppy. Yeah, yeah. And I got into panic. Uh. I did the, the the mistake that nobody that you don't have to do. Right. I went into panic, man, and I was rescued.
0: Wow, yeah, luckily. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember I was in Santa Teresa and I was swimming with this girl and the waves the the tide was taking us away it was taking us towards the rocks yeah and it was strong yeah. and i'm a pretty decent swimmer and luckily this guy saw us from the beach and saw that we were in panic and i was like hey 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 and he came and you, and you know strangely enough he was a, a surf coach for para, 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 or quadriplegics. wow people with no arms and no legs he'd help them surf fucking so it. he was an amazing swimmer and he came and he saved well. He saved the girl yeah. um, that I was with, and yeah, it was really, really interesting. But yeah, that's another story. Well,
1: they called me. They offered me the job. They they told me about the the project, uh, I said yes. What's the project?
0: Norita. Norita. What is what is uh yeah what is it? What's the?
1: Well, t- first
0: being being the
1: the restaurant here at Art House to provide service here and also be open to the public and for me as a chef to to open a restaurant from scratch mm. is a is one of the best challenges
0: and you've never done this before yeah many times okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's one of my my favorite challenges you know to start uh, uh, your team from scratch uh to choose your suppliers from scratch like to get in touch and especially for me as Because I I didn't knew so much people here in Tulum, many accountancies from accountancies that live here, blah blah blah. But for me as a chef coming here and just like okay, open a restaurant right from scratch, (laughs) you know. So the first thing that I did was met the the manager that she was working in another place, and it's like, dude, I want you for my restaurant. Right. Okay. Uh, and then little by little, building up. And so far, we're doing pretty good in these three months that we are open, man.
0: What's the craziest experience you've ever had? Like not ever had, but was something that's memorable? Being a chef or some some experience that making making people cry with you the food. Make people cry. Yeah. How do you do that? Like in a good way. Right. You like, know? Like, oh, it's like, like so delicious. Something. Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember. Well, actually, I remember, th- this is another story, but I remember this woman that, I don't remember what plate, I, what dish was it, or what recipe, but she, she, I remember the waiter is like, hey, Nico, the, this lady calls you from the table. And I was like, okay. And I went there, and when I went there to the table, she stand up and hugged me and started crying, like, crying like, dude, this is the best food that i ever had in my life, Wow, blah, blah, blah. But the, I think the, the best, uh, or not crazy, but one of the, the things that I enjoy the most is there in, when I was chef in the Dominican Republic, I made very good friends from one client from New York, uh, Ricardo, a guy that lived there in New York with his wife and they were coming on holidays. Every six months, they were staying at the hotel. And it was, I remember he called me, because we became very good friends. We were talking often via Facebook or Instagram and these platforms. And I remember he called me on uh, Wednesday and, It's like, hey, Nico, are you going to work this weekend? And I was like, yeah, I work here. Okay, because Saturday is my wife's birthday. So I'm flying on Friday. No, I'm flying on Saturday morning, and I'm going to gift her your food. And that's what they did. They fly Saturday morning. They came to eat to my restaurant, and the next morning they flew back to New York. And a couple of months later, she died because she was very sick. And it, like, one of her final wishes was to eat my food. Get out of here! So yeah, fucking goosebumps, man. Damn. And such a lovely, lovely human being, man. And for me, as a as a chef or as a as a person, to, and she knew, she knew that she was dying, you yeah. know, and and he was like spoiling her like in every way he could to make her happy to like in in a way of like appreciation and, and thanking her for all the experiences and their children that they have together and uh, for me as a human not even a chef as a human yeah. to to be chosen for somebody that's dying to fly from new york to the dominican republic to have my food and then come back i think that's
0: that's amazing that's such an amazing experience i mean it must have such a feeling of joy and gratitude to like be someone to think of you that way to fly you all the way out and and just taste your food for one last day it was such a memorable experience that they wanted that as their last their last incredible wow that's insane
1: she was she was in love with the with a curry sauce that I make I love curries I love curry.
0: Sauce. I love curry.
1: <laughs> you have to make me a curry <laughs> I make we make we make here our own curry paste right right you know? <gasps> uh, and she was like uh, it was a fish curry that I made yeah, to yeah. her with jasmine rice and oh, then to try it
0: I have to try it uh,
1: I had a dessert that it was like a almond cake and she was in love with the almond cake and
0: amazing yeah all right amazing yeah yeah i think we'll end it right there unless you want to talk about something else or you want to share some other thing or thank
1: you very much for everything man. Yeah, yeah i really enjoyed talking to you man.
0: yeah definitely i think we've uh had a good conversation do you want to tell people where they can reach you at or um any information on how to contact yeah well
1: you? i'm the executive chef of uh, norita norita is located uh, next to art house here in aldea sama and we do creative fusion food with a lot of healthy choices. Okay. You know, as we spoke like I study a lot of nutrition, and so all the smoothies are kind of like thought. Uh, and yeah.
0: We're and here, what's right? your Instagram?
1: My Instagram is conscious underscore chef. Uh, Norita is norita.mx. And
0: we are open from yeah. nine to ten.
1: Every day of the week, man.
0: Nice. Thank you so much for uh, being my guest. And uh, thank you for uh, listening if uh, you're still here. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. We're out. We're out. Nice.